Amen. Amen. I believe the Lord uh, spoke to me. It's been about a couple of months ago and I've been, um, I always test the word, make sure I'm moving in the right direction that God is asking me to move in. He asked me to, to speak to you on covenant. And, and I'm finding that um, uh, in, in today we, we, uh, we preach and we want, we want the preaching of the word. You need the preaching of the word. That there's, there's no way we could be without it. I can't live without it, okay? I need that preaching of the word and I need the teaching of the word. And sometimes we're dealing with so many things that are going on in the world because there are so many things that are going on in the world. And we're dealing with so many broken people because we, we are broken people. We've, we've been uh, attacked. We've been beaten up. We've been bruised, okay? Things have happened in life. Uh, from a young age, because you see, the devil doesn't care how old you are. Okay, he's in, I mean, from from really the time the conception takes place, he is after that life. So he's not a fair fighter. Okay, he's not fair. So he's after us. All right. And so uh, sometimes we get so caught up in everything that is going on around us that we do not uh, remember the elementary things of the word that we don't remember our foundation of, of the word and, and we get away from it. Okay. And our foundation with God and how God deals with us is through his covenants. And if we do not understand his covenants, and if we do not understand that he is a covenant God, then, then we do not understand what our rights are. Thus we walk through life. We can be saved, but we can be a failure. We can be saved. We can be sick. We can be saved, we can be broke. We can be saved, we can be hateful. Okay, uh, all right? Because we don't understand the foundation for which we, we build ourselves. We build who we are. This is, and you take the time and you put, you have to pick up the brick and put it on the foundation. Put the mortar of the word on it. Go back and get another solid brick of the word. Put it on top of that one and you begin to build in Jesus. Amen. All right. So we need to talk about covenant. Okay. And I want you to know what is a covenant now in, in, uh, uh, our life. Now a covenant is, it's a contract. Okay. It's an agreement. It's an undertaking. It's a commitment. It's a guarantee. It's a warrant. It's a pledge. It's a promise. It's a bond. It means to commit oneself or to bind oneself. So we, we call them contracts now. Okay. We, we, you, it, no matter pretty much anything you do nowadays where they want to make sure you keep up your part of it, they ask you to enter into a contract. Yes. And you have to sign the contract. And inevitably every contract has fine print. And a lot of times we forget to read the fine print. All right. And I think the devil's in the details. Okay. All right. All right. The English word for covenant means to come together. To come together. Now, just in our simple thinking and, and what we've brought it down to. Okay. It, it says a lot about who God is. Because if he's a covenant God then he's a God that recognizes all of these things. And he's a God that cannot lie. The word testament is the Latin word for co covenant. Testament is the Latin word for covenant. Okay? 
The Hebrew word berith, which means covenant, occurs 280 times in the Old Testament alone. Okay, when I delved into this, I, I, I told Pastor, I said, I had no, I mean, I've been saved and I've studied it and, you know, and I, I, I've read on it and stuff, but I had no idea when you get to, to, to delving into it deep, how deep this really is and, and how far reaching it is. And I was kind of taken back and I was like, Lord, I really don't know if I can do this. This is a lot. I mean, you, you've really laid a, from the beginning of time. Really, before the earth was created, God covenant. Oh, God. Okay, so I wasn't going to say this, but I need to. If we, if we serve an all-knowing God, okay, he's omniscient. He knows everything. Would it not stand to reason to you that when he created the earth, that he knew what was going to happen? Just think about that. Just think about it. Hallelujah. That's, that's, that was, I was like, okay, God, okay. Amen. God relates to us through his covenants. That's how he communicates to us. That's how he moves with us. He obligates himself. That's how he deals with us. From the very beginning, we deal with covenant. He is a covenant-making God. In other words, he's a God that says, I will give you my word. I will make a contract, an agreement, an undertaking, a commitment, a guarantee, a warrant, a pledge, a promise, a bond to commit myself and to bind myself. This is the kind of God that I am. This is what I do. Now, understand that we're establishing what a covenant is, okay? God's covenant is unchangeable, divinely imposed, and I'm sure every time we hear that, we're like, you're posing nothing on me. <laughs> a legal agreement between God and man that stipulates the condition of their relationship. Do you understand your relationship with God? Because if you do not understand his covenants, then you do not understand your relationship with him. Because this is what he bases the relationship on. I mean, if we just bring it down to, to us and how we do, every relationship is based on a covenant contract, whether you say it or you don't say it, okay? And some, they call them deal breakers. Some of you have deal breakers. And when you do this, I will no longer covenant with you, and you're gone. And so your covenants are not like God's covenants. When somebody says, I'm going to covenant with you, I kind of step back and say, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, because my mind immediately re reverts back to God's covenant. You see, it doesn't revert to a contract, okay? And contracts can't be broken. That's why we have the court system, and that's why people sue each other and go to court, because you did something that they didn't want you to do, and you signed that paper, and you broke the contract. Now they want to sue you and take your money, okay? You understand that kind of relationship. It's a relationship that you enter into, but the relationship that God has with us is so much different than his therefore called a covenant rather than a covenant contract. It is a covenant. Amen? Amen. I want to read from uh, C.I. Schofield. A covenant is a sovereign pronouncement of God by which he establishes a relationship of responsibility. Number one, between himself and an individual, between himself and mankind in general, between himself and a nation, 
between himself and a specific human family. That's Noah. God obligates himself in grace by the unrestricted declaration, I will. He's unrestricted. You're restricted. All right. I will to accomplish certain announced purposes despite any failure on the part of the person or people with whom he covenants. The human response to a divinely announced purpose is always important. Your response is important. You do have a part to play, leading as it does to blessing for obedience and discipline for disobedience. But human failure is never, ever permitted to abort or negate the covenant or block its ultimate fulfillment. In other words, when God covenants with us, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with you because he's going to define his purpose anyway. Okay, he cannot lie. It's unchangeable. When he sets it, that's where it's going. Amen. He's a God that doesn't lie. So his covenant says, I'm obligating myself to you, even though I know you're going to fail, even though I know you're going to miss it. So it's not dependent on you because you see, God will search the world over for whom he can use to establish his covenant. He'll search for that person. So, you know, my mother used to tell me, she says, honey, she said, my monkey don't stop no show. How true she was. Because, see, you can be rebellious and walk away. And I'm telling you, God will search this earth and find one that will say yes to his will and his purposes. And he will use that person. He will have his purpose accomplished in this land. It will be accomplished. And so this is telling us that it is divinely imposed on us. We don't get to negotiate. We don't get to lay down our part. We don't get to say, well, you know, uh, I think we should have this. And while I really think that that's kind of unfair, we don't get to do any of that. We get to understand that he is a sovereign God, that he comes to us, he speaks his covenant, and we are to say, yes, Lord, because we know if you understand who God is, that everything he does works out for our good. He loves us. He gave everything for us. So you can understand that if it is imposed on you, that it is for your good. Just like we impose laws on us. There are laws that are imposed on us. Okay, when the light turns red, you need to stop. You run that light, you could possibly die. You don't get to say, well, I don't think I want to obey that light today. And there will not be consequences to it. Those laws are imposed on us. Let's talk about one that can't be changed, the law of, 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 of gravity. All right? Now, I know planes fly. But if that plane loses a certain speed in the altitude that it has, it is going to hit the ground like a rock. So what goes up must come down. That is imposed on us. You don't get to debate it. You don't get to fuss about it. You don't get to say it's not fair. You don't get to do any of that. It is what it is. Thus, a covenant. And ours is to say, yes, Lord, I'm not jumping off that roof. I'm not jumping off that cliff. Divinely imposed sovereign pronouncement says that man can never negotiate with God or change the terms of the covenant. We can only accept the covenant and its obligations. And we do have obligations in a covenant with God. We sincerely do. We cannot reject them. In In other words, a covenant can only be set by God. And we liken it to the last will and testament. 
All right. In any last will and testament, you know that it was someone that cared and loved you that went in and sat down with an attorney and he laid down the, the, the uh, uh, disbursements of his property or her property. And once that person dies, it doesn't get changed. You can contest it and all this other stuff, but usually it does not get changed. When the will comes forth, this is what I want done. This is what you get. That's it. That's it. And so he is, he is telling us that I'm leaving you these things. Amen. Amen. Less, uh, 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 the word covenant is not used in Genesis. No, it's not used in Genesis because I want us to go to Genesis. We're going to really look at what a covenant is. The first covenant, the word itself is not used. Okay. It's not, I come and I make a covenant with you, Adam. It's not like that. Okay. (laughs) However, it has all the essential parts of a covenant. Okay. Let's talk about the essential parts of a covenant because you need to understand all that a covenant is. There is a clear definition of both the parties or all the parties involved. There's a clear definition. You are, they are defined. I, God, you, Adam. I am God, you are Adam. Now we have defined the parties involved, yes? It is legally binding. There are provisions that are set that stipulate the conditions of their relationship. Amen? Let's go to Genesis 1.28. Some I'm going to do the Amplified, some I'll do the New International. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, again, we have a clear established who we're dealing with, God and Adam. Now, we know that God created the earth. He filled it with animals. He created man. And I want, let me just stop right here because we need to understand that when God created the earth, And when he created everything in it, it was for man. And that God desired a relationship with man. Because it says in Genesis that God would come in the cool and and walk through the garden. And would sup and supplicate with with Adam and Eve and would talk with them. And, And he was there. He wanted that relationship. And how many of you know that you cannot have a relationship with anybody without giving them a choice? Okay. Uh, so many people, the first thing that they want to tell you when, when you speak of God, well, why would God let all these terrible things happen? But you have a choice. You have a choice in life. And so there had to be a choice in the Garden of Eden. There had to be a desire to love God wholly uh, without being made to love God. How many of you want to be in a relationship with somebody that you have to make them talk to you? You have to make them want to be with you. You have to make them. How many of you want to be in that kind of relationship? Neither did God. If we're created in his image, in his likeness, neither did God. You don't want that. God didn't want that. So he created this beautiful paradise for Adam. And in his covenant contract with Adam, his covenant with Adam, forget the contract part, his covenant with Adam, God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beasts, and over all the earth and over everything that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. I'm sorry, Genesis 1, 28 to 30. Did I say that? And, God's, and God blessed them. 
and said to them, be fruitful and multiply a condition and fill the earth and subdue it, a condition, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the land and every tree which seed is in it, in its fruit. You shall have them for food. These are all conditions. These are all covenant conditions that he's laying down for Adam. And in all the animals on the earth and to every bird of the air and to every, everything that creepeth on the ground, to everything in which there is the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Now let's go to 2.15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and guard and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, blessing and calamity, you shall not eat. For in that day, that you eat, you shall surely die. Now, he told him it was, it was calamity. Okay? All right? Evil. Calamity. Okay? Now, he made very clear stipulations to this agreement. He made it very clear. I have made the Garden of Eden for you. This is yours. You have dominion over everything here, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, everything that creeps on the ground, all of the animals. This is yours. You have dominion over it. I have caused everything here to be subjugated to you. I'm giving it to you to tend and to take care of. All I'm asking you to do is not to bother with this portion of my percent. I'm asking you not to touch that. And in this relationship, I will come and I will sit and I will talk with you and I will be with you and I will love you and you will love me and we will have a relationship. And I think sometimes we read this like it just happened. Boom, 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 boom. I honestly believe that there was just a sweet time of relationship with God and God had a beautiful, sweet time of relationship with Adam and Eve. That there was love there. There was peace. There was joy. There was communication There was supplication. There was just a beautiful time between Adam and Eve and the Lord in the Garden of Eden. And so you see that the stipulation is a life of blessing to live in the Garden of Eden, paradise, fellowship with God. Amen. And I'm just going to do a little side note real quick before we get to the consequences of his actions. The side note to this is, is, is in this, if you go down, same chapter to 24, that God was so loving and cared so much about covenant, okay, that he gave the covenant of marriage in the Garden of Eden. Wow. That not only did he desire to have a covenant with Adam and Eve, but he desired Adam and Eve to have a covenant together as one that they were promised to each other. That's a holy thing. Marriage is a holy thing, and we treat it as an unholy thing. It is a holy thing. It is a mystery set in heaven. I do not think that we will ever really understand the fullness of it until we get to heaven. Then we will truly understand the complete fullness of what God did in the Garden of Eden and how dare man try to change what God set into place. 
there is a curse that comes with that. There is a curse that comes with that because it is not our place to change the covenant. All right, let's look at 24, this little sidebar here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Oh my goodness. Now tell me, okay, if Adam was the first man, human, and Eve came out of him, why would he even talk about mothers and fathers and leaving and cleaving? If he was not setting into place how it should be, a covenant between a man and a woman. Oh God, the sidebar, okay, the sidebar, okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And there were consequences, you see, because in the covenant, there is both blessing and then there is correction for disobedience. And Adam and Eve decided that they were going to eat the apple. And trust me, even though Eve gave it to Adam, he had a choice too. He could have said, no, we're not going to do that. Okay, I'm going to go beg for forgiveness from God for you. Okay, amen. He had a choice too. Okay, he, he had a choice. He was the head. He was the one that God spoke to. He was the one that God commanded to have dominion in the garden. He was the one that was commanded to have dominion in the garden. It was in him. Amen. Amen. And so there are consequences for not keeping your part of the covenant. Let's go to Genesis 3.14. I'm not going to keep you long today because I really want you guys to chew on this. We're going to go 14 to 24. I know it's a lot of reading. I don't like so much reading like this pastor's real good at it. I always have him read to me. (laughs) Amen. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, You are cursed above all domestic animals and above every wild living thing in the field upon your belly. You shall go and you shall eat dust and what it contains all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and her offspring. He will bruise your, he will bruise and tread your head underfoot and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your grief and your suffering in pregnancy. Now ladies, wouldn't it have been nice if we could have just had children without all that? Oh my God. (laughs) And the pains of childbearing (laughs) with spasms and distress, you will bring forth children. (laughs) Yet your desire and craving will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened and given heed to the voice of your wife and have, not, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. The ground, is, the ground under you is cursed because of you. In sorrow and toil shall you eat of its fruit. Of it all day and all of your life you shall be in sorrow and you shall toil. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth and you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken from the dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. The man called his wife Eve, life spring, because she was to be the mother of all living. For Adam also 
and for his wife, the Lord made long coats, tunics of skin, and clothed them. And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to know and to distinguish between good and evil, and blessing and calamity. And now let us put forth, the Lord put forth his hand, and we will take from them the tree of life forever. Therefore, the Lord set forth from the Garden of Eden. I'm sorry, the printing is really small and my glasses are steaming up on me. <laughs> Let me go back. And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Sorry, grief. Behold, the man has become like one of us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to know how to distinguish between good and evil and blessing and calamity and how least he put forth his hand and take again from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord sent him from, therefore, the Lord God sent forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So the Lord drove out the man and he placed on the east of the garden of Eden, the cherub and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep guard the way to the tree of life. Because if they would have eaten from the tree of life, they would have lived forever. So he had to take them out of the garden. Now for what he did and what him breaking the contract and him not holding up his part of the relationship with God. And God made it very clear, did he not, what he wanted him to do. Now listen to me. God would not have charged him with it if he were not capable of doing it. So when he created man, he had everything in him. He was capable of keeping the covenant. He was capable. When God created him, he created him perfect. If he created him in his image and his likeness, was he not a perfect man? Come on. I mean, really, let's think about it. If I'm created totally in God's image, there's no sin in me. There's no sin. I don't understand sin. I'm not dealing with sin. I have no concept of what sin is. Then I'm a perfect individual, perfectly walking with God, able to fellowship with him. So I had a choice at this point, and I chose, chose to step away from what the covenant said. I chose to neglect and to say, you know what? I don't want to do that. And choice had to be there in order for true love to be there. And so when he said, and he took the apple and he ate it, and he began to know, I want you to understand that, that the first blood sacrifice was done. They don't go through the whole ritual of it, but where did he get the skins to put on their body? Blood was shed immediately after. Blood was shed. Do you understand what's happening here? Blood was shed, and he covered them. Oh, come on now. God. <laughs> Blood was shed and he covered them. So that's the beginning of not our sins being remitted and forgiving, but the covering of them. It's all being set up in the Garden of Eden. You can see the whole setup of it in the Garden of Eden. And he told the serpent off the top. Immediately he began laying down his plan for the new covenant. Immediately he told him, yeah, you're going to come after him. You're going to want to kill him. It's going to come out of her because, see, you used her. So out of her is going to come the deliverer that's going to bring mankind back to me. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And you, 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 your bruise is here, but he's going to crush you. 
He's telling him in the very beginning, he's laying out the whole, uh, I want to say the whole plot of what he's going to do. The whole setting up of the covenant, the new covenant coming in. He's now setting up and adding, I call it an addendum to the covenant. He's now saying, now I have to bring this in and now I have to bring this in, but I'm telling you, I'm bringing something new and it's going to crush you, Satan. You will not get the last word here. You will not have man. I'm telling you from the very beginning, the first thing that comes out of her womb will begin to start the lineage of Jesus. Christ and he will come and he will crush your head. He tells him in the garden of Eden, you have to understand what God was doing and how he set all this up. We think because it doesn't happen in our lifetime, she thought it would. But it didn't. But God, all knowing, spoke it into being right then. That to me is awesome. The blood the speaking it in. He didn't say, I'll make this covenant, but he began laying it all out. The mystery of what he was going to do. The mystery of it. He began laying it all out. And she grasped a hold to it. And when she had a child, she even spoke, this is the one that'll be the deliverer. Hmm. Little did she know how long it would take. My God, but you have to understand, God was setting us up for victory even then. God is so good. He is so good. He's so good. You know, there's a lot that goes on in Genesis. Amen. We got Cain and Abel. And and I want to come now to the next major covenant here. And and, and I was reading this. And, and if you read, <laughs> if you read, uh, I'm going to let you do this on your own time, six in front of it. it I was like, wow, you begin to understand how uh, evil, they had children, they began to appropriate, and, and the earth was full, and, and there were people all over the place, but they were given to their own vain imaginations. And just like evil runs rampant, it ran rampant then. But I love it because God did walk with certain people they were, and then they were not. So he, he was still even after he drove them out of the Garden of Eden, even though they had really said, I don't love you like that, by taking and eating. That was a rejection to God. We became self-conscious instead of God-conscious. Even though in all of that, God was still seeking men that he could fellowship with. That's amazing to me. Even though Adam broke fellowship with God, he broke it. And we really, at that point, had no right to even think we could get a relationship with God. But God, in his love and in his mercy and in his grace and his desire for man, the human race. When I say man, I'm saying the human race. That includes us ladies, okay? For the human race that he sought those that he could fellowship with. And Enoch was, and he walked with God, and then he was not. God took him. You're so close to me, I just want you to be with me. You're out. You're out. He was still looking because if you have to understand that there's a place, you have a conscience. There's a conscience in you. God gave you that. That is how when you do not know God that you have some uh, 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 resemblance of good because you have a conscience. Okay? And there were men that walked and, and knew of God and wanted to be close to God, such as Noah and his family. And you have to understand, you read six and I'll tell you why, okay? If you read six and you'll understand that the bloodline of man was tainted. 
okay? The bloodline of man was tainted. And God needs a pure bloodline because everything happens in the blood. Everything happens in the blood. That's why when your blood gets contaminated, you die. Everything happens in the blood. And so he needed a pure bloodline. And so he went looking and he found Noah. And he asked Noah to build an ark. And he came to Noah and he began speaking to him. And it was for Noah to say yes or no. Noah did have a choice. Noah could have said, this is too hard. This is too much. And it's too crazy. And what is rain? I mean, come on, think about it. Think about it. See, I, I was bringing it back to, would I do that? Let me think about this. And this day, everybody be laughing at me and talking about me and saying I'm crazy. And will my family follow me? And, you know, where am I going to get all this stuff? What about money? Okay, how is this going to happen? Where, you know, he tells him, you're going to build an ark. I want you to build an ark. This is what I'm going to do. He speaks over him that he's going to destroy the whole earth. He's going to destroy all mankind. He's going to destroy everything that's on the earth. He's going to bring rain. And I want you to build an ark. And he tells him what to bring in. How many of the unclean? animals too. How many of the clean animals? And so he speaks to them about bringing, I believe it's six. He speaks to them about bringing them in because there has to be sacrifice. So he brings them in and he's talking to Noah. He says, I found favor with you. I'm going to give you my favor. I'm going to covenant with you because I'm going to kill everybody else. Let's just be down to the bottom line. I'm going to get rid of everybody else because they have waxed evil. Every vain thing in their mind, every evil thing in their mind, they are doing and I'm done. It's over. But you, one person that sought the face of God changed everything because it would have been just as simple for God to wipe everything out and fashion another man. After all, he's God. But he had made a covenant with Adam and there was one that was found, that trusted God, that lived holy before God, him and his family. Oh God, how important it is for you men to love your family. I don't think his family served God because he was a harsh man. I think his family loved God because he was like God. He was kind. He was generous. He was loving. He laid down like, like, uh, uh, um, the teaching that we've been getting on Wednesday when he said, I set the course of the morality in my home. He laid down the course of morality in his home and his wife found it pleasing to follow him. Come on now. We all think it's harsh, but it's not. It's not. It's not harsh like that. And so when God decided that he was going to start over because man was so evil and the bloodline was tainted, he became in again. There is an unconditional covenant with Noah. He comes to Noah. Noah didn't call God. God called Noah. I have a covenant that I want to strike up with you, Noah. I want you to build an ark. I want you to bring your family in. I want you to bring the animals in. I want you to bring everything that bears seed. Bring it in. I want you to bring it in. And I'm going to covenant with you. I'm going to save your life. Unconditional. I didn't ask you. This is what I want you to do. The unconditional covenant with Noah, which affects all mankind, Because, now listen, he's beginning again. Amen? It establishes principles for all government, and it includes the following, okay? It is the sanctity of all human life is established. The sanctity of all human life is established. Write this down. It's 8-6. It's Genesis 8-6. 
The sanctity for human life is established. Man's responsibility to protect life, even to capital punishment, it's laid out 8-6. Go over here. Sorry, let me go back. Let me go back. I'm sorry, 821. Let me go over here. Let's start here. Let's just start here, okay? The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood and every... Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as long as, there, as, long as the earth endures. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will I curse the earth. I will not do it. I will not cause the curse to come again upon the earth ever again. Amen. Amen. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase on the earth, the numbers and fulfill the earth. The fear and dread of you will be upon every beast of the earth, and all the birds of the air upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea, and they will give unto your hand. I give it unto your hand. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I have given green plant, I give you everything, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. You shouldn't be eating blood, shouldn't be drinking blood, amen, shouldn't be cooking blood, all right? We, they do it, but you shouldn't be doing it, amen? And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an according for every animal and from every man too. I will demand an according for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds blood... Whoever sheds blood by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. It was 9-6. Whoever sheds blood, this is the sanctity of life. Whoever sheds blood by man shall his blood be shed. Capital punishment. You shed blood, blood shall be shed. In other words, he is laying and establishing now the, the, the guidelines to the relationship and the covenant, the guidelines to which he is going to have with man and man will have with one another. Amen? Amen. We dealt with that. A promise that another universal flood would not occur and the ground would not be cursed further. God declared that he is not going to curse the ground. 9-11, he's not going to curse the ground anymore. I'm not cursing the ground anymore. I'm not going to flood the earth anymore. I promise you that I am not going to do this. Man's relationship to God and animals and to nature is confirmed. I will bring everything into subjection for you. It'll have fear and dread of you. Now before, in the, in the garden, they all dwell together peacefully. Now they have fear and dread of man. We're confirming now. This is how it's going to be. This is the covenant that I'm laying out. This is how it is going to be. Man predominantly was a vegetarian before the flood, presumably, okay, and now allowed to eat meat because he says, I give you everything to eat. I give you everything to eat, okay? 
8.3, I give you everything to eat. It's yours to eat. So God is laying down the provisions of the covenant. He's laying down the provisions of what he will do. And I love this because he says, behold, this is what I, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark, I will establish, I have established my covenant with you. This is how it's going to be. You shall not kill. You shall have everything on the earth, all of the plants that you can eat. You should now have the meat to eat. Everything will be in dread of you that is in the animal kingdom. They will dread you. Okay, that's they're going to. In other words, I'm going to run from you when I see you. Okay, you're not going to have that kind of relationship that you had before. Amen. But I will not bring a flood on the earth again. You don't have to fear that. That when you come out of the ark and you begin to appropriate, because he tells him, "Come out, be fruitful and multiply." I'm trying to cut through this because we're already after twelve. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply, build the earth again. But how many of you know that no man say, shoot, I'll behave all these kids and have this whole new creation here that will come out of us, and you're going to kill us again with a flood? Wouldn't you think that? I would. I'd be like, we're going to have kids and all my kids and they're going to have kids and you're going to get mad at us and you're going to bring a flood again and that's it. Again. What if they act like them? Come on. Some of us got kids that act like them. Okay. Wouldn't you think about this? So God, in his love and his mercy towards us that he came to them and he spoke to them and he says, listen. I'm not going to bring a flood on the earth again. I promise the earth. I promise the animals. I promise you. And the sign of that, I'm going to give you an outward sign. Now remember, an outward sign. Remember that for next week. An outward sign. I'm going to give you an outward sign of the inward covenant that I'm giving to you. And the outward sign is that I'm going to set a rainbow in the sky. So every time you see a rainbow, to me, your mind should go back to the beautiful covenant that God gave that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. Ever. It's his covenant. It's unchangeable. He initiated it. It's non-negotiable. It's holy. It's ordained. (laughs) And so he tells him, rest assured, Noah, that this will not happen again. Rest assured that I will have a people. Rest assured that you don't have to be afraid that I will come in with my wrath at this level towards human race again. Not destroying the earth and everything on it with a flood. I'm not going to do that. Not in this manner. Not to the human race again. I will not do it in this manner. And so he strikes his covenant and he tells him, come out, be fruitful, multiply. Have dominion again. Live have relationship with me. Take the time to read. I didn't get a chance to read all of them before. Take the time to read 821 through 92 and it will just, it will really bless you because he says, I will set, I will remember my covenant. Not only will we remember his covenant, but God says, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will look upon it and remember my everlasting 
covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me, God, and all flesh that is upon the earth. Thus, a relationship based on a covenant. Now, we've only dealt with the very beginning of covenant. My prayer is that we can move through the Abrahamic covenant and so that we can get the foundation for Jesus, for Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is a covenant keeping God. If you will look at Genesis and this, those, those first nine and all that went on in his creating and his speaking to Adam in the garden of Eden and having a covenant, he established his covenant with him. He established the coming covenant. He established the addendum, the addendum that's coming to it. It's coming to it. He spoke with Noah. And he laid the covenant out for him. He laid out the government, how government will work. We are to value life, value life. We are to be fruitful. We're to multiply in this earth. We are to be fruitful people. We're to be a fruitful people in every area of our life. That's what he called us to be. And he promised it in his covenant. Remember, it is irrevocable. It is unchangeable. It is pronounced by God. It is non-negotiable. Amen. All of we have to do is respond by saying yes. And we're just dealing with the old covenant. We're not even dealing with the new covenant yet. We're just dealing what he did in the Old Testament, establishing how he will relate to us for eternity. Establishing how he will relate to us for eternity. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Remember, write it down. Don't forget to read. You need to read it. This is really good reading. It really is. Did everybody write that down? 821 through 917. Amen. Amen. It'll bless you. Hallelujah. It'll bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Sorry for the shaking. It's time I read it. Sorry. Fine. That's quite a subject. Amen. Praise you. Many can thank God for the rainbow. Amen. Amen. Woo! Thank God for the covenant. Come on up, First Lady. Amen. Oh. Amen. We'll have you pray over us. Praise God. You know, I heard somebody at the men's breakfast yesterday said they were talking about the covenant, and they didn't know you were minister on the covenant. And they said something about the difference between a covenant and a contract. Contract has fine print. The covenant does not. All up front. <laughs> okay. Amen. It's all up front. No fine print in the covenant. Mm-hmm. So you don't have mm-hmm. to worry that God hid something in there and he's going to mm-hmm. pull something on you. Isn't that good? Glory to God, that'll get me excited. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, stand with me. Praise oh God. God for the covenant of life. Amen. Amen. Come on over. Praise God. Praise God. Take somebody by the hand. If you're in covenant and you're, you have a covenant with that one that you may be taking the hand with, we thank God for that marriage covenant if you're married. We thank God for the covenant of just what God has made between us and the body of Christ. Amen between him and us. Lord, we just thank you for each one as we've just taken the hand of the one next to us. God, we thank you our covenant is with you. Your covenant is with us. Really, it's like we heard so well this morning. It's not even about us. It's about you. It's all about you. But Lord, I love you because when we make it about you, which it's all about, you have in turn made it all about us. It's all about you. Tell that one next to you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Yeah, it's all Amen. about you. It's all about you. Really. Yeah. Thank you. Lord. Yeah. It's all about you. Isn't that beautiful? It's all about you. Now, they may not have made it about you, 
but it's all about you. And just because they haven't made it about you doesn't mean it's not about you. Are you hearing me, church? Are you hearing me, ladies? Men, it's about you. I always felt bad when somebody said, it's not about you. And I felt like, oh, shut up. Mm-hmm. Well, you keep telling me it's not about me. Amen? Kind of made me mad. I thought, I know it's not about me. I've got to keep telling me it's not about me. And then God dropped something. So he said, he said, no, it's about me. I said it's about me. But because you make it about me, I in turn have made it about you. For God so loved the world that he gave yes, amen. his only begotten son. It's all about us. You're the apple of his eye. It's you he loves. Wow. You are something. We don't know how much God has made over us. How special you are. Amen. Wow. You really are special, sweetheart. In so many ways. And I'm special, yeah. Amen. Sometimes I'm more special in ways that, yeah. Hallelujah. Sometimes I act special in ways I don't want to be special, but you know how that goes. (laughs) Can we be real? Can we keep it real up in here? Sweetheart, pray for us. I want to thank God for for you. I want to thank God for making it all about you. And I'm asking God to to work in your situation, in your life, Mm -hmm. where it hasn't been about you, that it, it just hasn't been right. That God will make it right. Would you agree with me on that? Because of his covenant? Would you do that with me? Broken covenants of man. And, but God doesn't break his covenant. Isn't that wonderful? You are something special. You need to know that when you leave here today. He's made it all about you. Would you pray for us, sweetheart? Thank God. We just ask you, Lord, to... Help us, Lord, to gain clarity in how you love us, Lord, and how much you gave for us, Father, that you desire a relationship with each and every one of us, Father. And, Lord, help us to put aside everything and move into relationship with you, Lord. Our response is just yes. yes. And so our response is yes to you, Lord. And, Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to bless each individual here today, Father. I ask you, Lord, to root out everything that is trying to root them up. Oh, God, and cause them to grow like a tree that is planted by living waters, Father, that they would bear much fruit in their life, Lord. And, Father, I thank you for every individual, Lord, and I thank you for blessing them as they go, Father, for carrying them through their week, Father, for moving every obstacle out of their way, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you are protecting them, Father, until we come back again, Father, as the brethren join back together in one accord to lift up your name, Father. Watch over us, Lord, as we praise you every day that we walk on this earth, Lord. We give praise to you, magnifying your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless coming in and bless going out in Jesus' God name. bless you all. Amen. Bless your Amen. relationships and bless you with relationships. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for coming. God bless you real good.